Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have your Bibles this morning, find Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1 this morning. You know, I've had several pivotal moments in my life, and they usually have come to me right in the midst of of some of my gravest errors. I'll never forget being at Northern Junior High, and uh, I was definitely, definitely expelled for a week, or suspended for a week, and I, I was facing possibly being expelled for the rest of the year. Now, uh, sort of on the going to school level, that sounded kind of fun, but on the passing your grade and facing your parents level, it sounded terrible. And so, um, I'm in there talking to the principal, and Somebody brings him my folder in there with, with my paperwork and stuff, and he's giving me this speech. He hadn't opened the folder, and he's saying, like, you know, you just seem to have too much time on your hands here in school. You know, what are you doing getting in these? This is your third fight this year, and you got in a fight on the bus. You know, what's your problem? We just need to give you some, some harder classes. And he opens my folder. He says, oh, you, you, you have all the hard classes. <laughs> uh, we just need to, you know, try to give you, give you a... Uh, an attempt to be an A student. Oh, you are an A student. What's your problem? <laughs> All of his solutions, he kept saying, I, I didn't know what my problem was either. He says, you, son, you need to decide whether you're going to be a student or an outlaw. And that, that was sort of a funny statement to me. You just decide whether you're going to be a student or an outlaw. But go be one of those. He says, because if you're going to be an outlaw, we got something for you. But if you're going to be a student, we have a lot of things for you. Fast forward a few years, I was in the Army, and I got in this terrible bit of trouble of my own making. And uh, I had this similar conversation, except this time, instead of it being a, a junior high principal, it was a full bird colonel, and he was reading me that same ride act, and, and he was saying, you know, uh, maybe you don't have enough work to do. And he, again, he opens this folder, and he says, oh, boy, you know, you've accomplished things. You, you've done a good job here. And then I see these times you've gotten in trouble. What, what's your problem? He said, it seems when you have on the uniform, you do well, but when you have your own time, you do terribly. He says, you, you got to decide whether you're going to be a soldier or a civilian. Fast forward a few years, I tore a barroom up over here in South Boston. Real story. Real story. And uh, I, I'm in front of the judge some months later over that, and, and he says, wow, you know, your lawyer says you are a great student. You have this great job. You had this wonderful career for a few years in the military. He says, you've got to decide whether you're going to be a citizen or a criminal. And several times in my life, several times in my life, I've been confronted in that way. You better make a decision about who you're going to be because you're trying to live in a couple worlds here and it just doesn't work. Well, wouldn't you know that on my face, lying in my own living room back in 1997, wouldn't you imagine that that was the conversation the Holy Spirit was having with me? Uh, Tim, you, you know, you, you now have to decide whether you're going to be lost and undone, directing your own life for as long as you breathe, and then the directing is over, or whether you're going to live for me and let me be in control. Decide whether you're going to be lost and undone or saved and near me. So all through my, uh, my life, I've been faced with these times where I, I really could see a clear path before me in two directions. And I can tell you that those times were some, sometimes very confusing to me. 
Um, some of us are, are sort of suicidal in our thinking. In other words, whenever something's going wrong, we say, woe is me. Well, I'm homicidal in my thinking. Whenever something goes bad, I say, woe is you. I haven't often been that person that said, you know, look, it's all my fault. I've always been that person that said, look, it's, it's all your fault. Well, facing God there in my living room back in 1997, I could honestly say when I looked at all the turmoil, I could say, it's all your fault. And when I saw all the opportunity out before me, I could see, God, it's all your fault. All the opportunity is God's fault. The opportunity to escape sin, to escape the clutches of the devil, to escape the penalty of his wrath, to be released from the destiny of heaven, that's all God's fault. And I'll never forget that time in my living room back in 1997 where God says, the biggest choice is now before you. It's not a matter of being a, a student or an outlaw. It's not a matter of being a soldier or a civilian. It's, it's not a matter of being a citizen or a criminal. This is a matter of being alive or dead. I contend to you, I contend with you that that's the decision some of us need to come back to this morning. Some of us need to come back to that decision of remembering, of remembering our first love as the Holy Spirit would have told that, that church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. As you've forgotten your first love. I, I, I'll never forget my, my oldest child was born. I know it's not Father's Day, it's Mother's Day. But my oldest child was born. My wife, this is literally what she says. She says, does she have all her fingers and toes? And I counted it real quick. I said, yep. Yeah. And I said, a couple extra. She said, what? I said, just playing, and she passed out. She, oh, she said, okay, good, and she passed out. And I can remember she had gone through quite the physical ordeal. Can any women relate? Say amen. amen. And I, was, I kept thinking, she ought to get up and look at this kid. She's pretty, you know, but I didn't bother my wife. But I remember having some quiet moments there with my daughter on those very few, first few hours. And I remember thinking, man, it's no more me anymore and there's no more just me and my wife everything from here on out has to include this kid and I remember being at one of those decision moments again like it's on now there's there's never another thought of what I'm going to do absent of my wife there's never another thought of what we're going to do absent of our child and the Christian life could be summed up in that way there's never any thought never any thought of what we'll do absent of the Lord Jesus Am I making sense to you this morning, church? Amen. And when we live our lives, and some of us won't say that. We won't say, I'm going to do this without thinking about the Lord. But we do a lot of that. We do things without thinking about the Lord. Well, here this morning, we find the Apostle Paul, and I think what sustains him and what gives him passion and purpose in the middle of a very trying time is that he has set before him the supreme goal of life, and he's sticking to it. Let's look together this morning, beginning with the second part of verse 18 in Philippians chapter number 1. The Bible reads like this, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. 
Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that would be far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming again to you. Fathers, we open your scripture. As we open your word, pray God, you use it like a, like a soul can open and open, open us. Open us and open our thinking and cause us to see you high and lifted up. See you seated on your throne in all your majestic glory. To see you as the treasure of all treasures. Then, Father, open our hearts that our affections may lock onto you as the greatest treasure, the greatest joy. And give us this morning a fresh view of your goodness in Christ Jesus. Give us this morning a, a reason to make our supreme goal the glory of Christ. In Jesus I pray, amen and amen. First thing I'd like to share with you guys this morning from the example of Paul is simple. The supreme goal of the Christian life is this, the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ. Anybody in this room have a hoe tobacco? Anybody? Man, some of y'all had poor childhoods. (laughs) Tell you what, that'll straighten you out. Well, I'll never forget, my oldest brother was in charge of several of us in the field, and this one guy was older than my brother, but my brother had been put in charge, and he told my brother that he was going to sit down over there, and there was nothing my brother could do about it, and, and my brother says, you can pick up the hoe and hoe weeds, or I'm going to pick you up and hoe the whole field. And the guy says, well, you know, you ain't man enough to do it. And uh, what was funny is they got in a fight, and my brother lost. And when it was done, that man picked up that hoe and went to hoe in the back. And I just stood there the whole time going, I ain't messing with either one of them. <laughs> I, I don't know what the exchange was. I think he came to expect my brother, but my brother, poor management, you might say. My brother says, look, your choice is, your choice is hoe tobacco or... Take a guess, church. Hold tobacco. Somebody's hold tobacco before. So there's no other choice here. You don't have another choice. Hold tobacco or hold tobacco. And the guy says, I'm not holding tobacco. My brother says, you're going to hold tobacco. And he says, if I have to hold tobacco with your face, you're going to hold tobacco. Well, it turns out my brother got his tobacco hold. <laughs> I'm trying to tell y'all that God is going to get glory out of your life. He's going to get glory out of every life. He's going to get glory out of Adolf Hitler's life. I don't know if Adolf Hitler ever repented. It would seem he didn't, right? Doesn't it seem like he went off the pages of time as an arch criminal? Well, you say, if he did that, if he went off the pages of the Bible as an arch criminal, how is God going to get glory? Because he's going to get glory by crushing wickedness. He's going to get glory by smashing the works of Satan. But what if you see Adolf Hitler in heaven? You'll probably hear that record scratching sound and go, how did he get here? Well, if anybody got there, they got there through Jesus Christ. And that, that, that anybody can come is a miracle. Anybody, that anybody can come is a miracle. God's going to get glory off of Jesus Christ. Here's the question that challenges my soul. Here's the question that challenges my soul. If God's going to get glory off of me either way, will I enjoy and embrace the process? 
or will I kick and scream my way all the way to the judgment seat? The Apostle Paul is here in jail, and this is what he tells him. He says, last week we talked about this. The gospel is advancing. I'm locked to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. These guys got four shifts, six hours a shift, and every time somebody's chained to me, I share Jesus with them for several hours a day. The gospel is advancing. Now he comes to this thought, and he says, you know what else? This right here is going to be for the glory of God. This is going to be for God's testimony. This is also going to be for my deliverance, for my deliverance. Does anybody remember the candy now and later, now and later? Does anybody remember those? Yeah. I used to love to go to the store and I get BB bats. Y'all remember BB bats? And uh, now and later, you could get a pack of these for like five cents. Look at them now. You get five for five cents. Now you get six for 25. They, they really getting over on us these days. I still love them. I mean, you can tell, right? And I always thought, I always thought until this very week that because they were so hard to chew up, you could start on them now and not finish them till later. You know, because they just stuck in your teeth. And you... <clears throat> Turns out, I looked it up, the history of the candies. They says, you'll enjoy this one so much now that you won't, you, you can't wait to have one later. Now and later. Isn't that neat? Paul is saying about Jesus, and I think this is one of the things we're missing. He's saying Jesus, the goodness of God through Jesus, the salvation that is mine through Jesus is now and later good. Amen. See, some of us only ever think about it as being a later good. You know, I'm going to get through all of this and then I'll die and go to heaven. Some of us would be really good characters. We could all play Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh, right? I guess we'll just all die and go to heaven. Woe is me. Paul's saying it's good now. It's good now. Let, 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 me, let me quote to you from Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Isn't that a neat verse? We are now in fellowship with God. Any of y'all can remember your first girlfriend or boyfriend? Can anybody? Some of y'all won't confess because you're sitting beside your spouse. You're going, it was only ever you, dear. <laughs> I think my first girlfriend, all the way back in Miss Ridgeway's class at South of Dan, kindergarten, my first girlfriend. We became boyfriend and girlfriend on the playground during free time and broke up on the bus two hours later. Apparently, she couldn't reconcile with the fact that how much I loved Levi Garrett and that I wanted to kiss her with the same mouth. It was problematic for her. I told her to get over it. Her daddy was a tobacco farmer. Get over it. Sometimes, sometimes we miss the now in a thing and sometimes we miss the later. Paul is sitting in jail not missing the now, nor is he missing the later. When he speaks of deliverance, the Greek word here is an all-encompassing word. It can mean being set free from slavery or bondage or, 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 or lack of health right now and being expected to fully be set free and finally be set free later. So here we find Paul sitting in prison. He says, man, yeah, I'm going to rejoice because Jesus is good now. 
I'm being saved from the devil now. I'm being accepted at the table of God now. I'm being given purpose in life now. I have fellowship with the Father now. Because of Jesus, I have reason to not be ashamed of my life now. And nothing's ever going to take that away from me. It'll only be better later. He says, I know this is going to turn out for me. He said, wait a minute. You're chained to a guy. You've been in prison over two years. You're chained to a guy 24-7. You're going to trial in front of Caesar. Imagine going to trial in front of Donald Trump. You know, I never saw the show, but I saw the commercial. What was the one where he fired people? What was that called? It was on the tip of my tongue. I lost it. The Apprentice. You know, on the commercial, they would always show him saying what? You're fired. You're fired. So you know who you are, right? You know who you are. You know that you have done nothing to earn heaven, nor could you ever be so good that you would earn heaven. And just imagine being called up in front of God. God could easily say, you're fired. Right? So imagine Paul standing in front of a dictator in an earthly realm, and that dictator being able to say, you're fired. You're done. And when he says you're fired, it's not like he resigns in shame to a government pension. You're fired You're thrown in with the lines. You're hung on the cross. You're tarred to death. So so Paul is saying this with real stakes on the line. He is saying, man, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. And I know that God's going to help me. It's going to turn out for my deliverance. It's my eager expectation that I'm here because of Jesus. And I have no reason to be ashamed of why I'm on trial. And it might cost me my life. See, he's already made up his mind. That no matter what he does, he's going to live for the glory of God. Have you made up your mind that way? No matter what. I lose friends. If I lose income. If I lose popularity. If, I, if, if, I'm living, if living for Jesus costs me my job, they can have it. I'll just walk out singing Johnny Paycheck. What did Johnny Paycheck sing? Somebody knows. Man, Wanda has sung that. <laughs> I want y'all to go see her and see which finger she injured this week. Don't ask her how she did it. What, what, what Paul is talking about is not the loss of popularity. It's not the loss of his occupation or his purpose. It's not the loss of, of income. He's facing the loss of his life. And he said, look, man, God is good now. Somebody say amen. amen. And it's going to be better later. Job faced the same thing. It says in Job 13, this is what Job's words were. Though he slay me, I will hope hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. This will be my salvation that the godless shall not come before him. He says, listen, me and God is, I'm going to put it in Tim Bowes talk, all right? Me and God's tight. I I know God's got me. God's got me in life and he's got me in death. And our relationship is so much that I I can bring my arguments up to him. And he says, but I know not everybody has that privilege. See, the difference in this story is not just having Christ, it's abiding in Christ. I love what the psalmist says, Psalm 34. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now I want you all to look at this. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. He delivered him from all his fears. It didn't mean he didn't have to face the, the horror of death. It meant he was delivered from the fear 
of the horror of what happens after death. See, Paul's facing that. He says, Jesus is good now. And even when I, if I, however I face my end, whatever I'm looking at in the face of ultimacy, I am walking with God now. I will stand before God then. God is delivering me now. God will deliver me then. God may deliver me out of the hand of my physical enemy, but he has delivered me out of the hand of my spiritual enemy. God may have to uphold me in my fears, but he will deliver me from them. His supreme goal was the glory of Christ, and he was resigned to it. Or, or one more. I love Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And if you go read all of this, I was tempted to. It's a pretty long psalm, though. He, he starts out with this complaint. And if you'll let me paraphrase, you guys go look it up. Read it before you eat Mother's Day lunch. Read it together. He was, he was frozen by this complaint, the psalmist was. He says, I look all around, and you got these people that don't love God, and they got nice jobs and big houses, and everything's going good for them. Here I am, I fear God, and everything's rotten. And he walks through this progression where God reveals some things to the psalmist's heart. You see, you can't always change everything without, but what's God want to do? God wants to change everything within. That's what Paul was facing. Paul was still locked up, but his heart was free. His body was bound, but his intellect was set loose to worship the Lord. He wasn't being directed by his circumstances. He was glorifying God in the middle of them. That's what the psalmist had to come to. The psalmist says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Do you see what this guy is saying? He says, man, I'm going to go to heaven one day and you're there. Praise God. Praise God. And I've come to realize that even down here, you're still the best. You see that? Who am I in heaven? I mean, what do I expect to go get to in heaven? Now, I, I do expect to see some of my kin folks and stuff, but they pale in comparison to the reward of meeting God face to face. Amen? Amen? He says, nothing on earth. This is that treasure hidden in the field concept again. Is I don't found out who and what's really valuable. You see this? Paul is locked up. He's facing life and death. And what does he say? He says, I rejoice. Believer today, can you rejoice? Can you rejoice? Can you rejoice? Have you set as your goal the glory of Christ in your life? Are you like me? Are you caught between two worlds, outlaw and academic? Soldier and civilian? Citizen or criminal? Are you trying to live with a foot in both camps where you want to be Christian and live worldly? It's time to turn from the world and turn to the Lord. He is the great reward and he is good now and is good later. Because it's Mother's Day, let me give a word on parenting before we, we go on. You know, the supreme goal of a Christian life is to live for the glory of God I would say the supreme goal of Christian parenting is to raise your children for the glory of God. Amen. Even when the going gets tough, you moms and dads stick in there. Even if you've got great, great grandchildren, if your children are still here, still with you, there's still opportunities to pray together, to grow together, to serve the Lord together. You don't give up. Raise your kids. Support your adult children Support them. You, you know, you're not the boss of them anymore. I know some of y'all grown parents need to hear that this morning. 
y'all ain't. You, I mean, don't none of y'all go to Mother's Day lunch and tell y'all mama, you're not the boss of me. That will not work, son. <laughs> but our roles shift as our children age, amen? The goal never shifts, though. Raise your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord for the glory of the Lord. And as they grow, support them for the same goal. Somebody say amen. amen. Secondly, and much quicker, facing life and death in Christ for his glory is critical to the pursuit of the supreme goal. Paul gets to this place. He says, you know, I, I, I just can't decide. I can't decide what, to, to live is an opportunity to serve God. And to die is an opportunity to meet him. Some people have said Paul was entertaining suicidal tendencies here. I think he was deciding internal focus. Am I going to keep concentrating on, on sharing the gospel with these guys I'm chained to, writing letters, trying to encourage people who come to see me? Am I going to keep trying to live for the gospel, or am I just going to face this as an inevitability and give up and go see God? Some folks get to a place in their Christian walk where they retire from trying to make a difference. I guarantee you, somebody out there right now, you've seen the same old mess over and over and over again. You say, I've had enough. I'm going to show up, but I'm going to check out. I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to be counted on. That is the death nail for a local church. When we come to this, we come to this. But we don't come here to hear from God and serve others. When we leave from this and we just go back to our ordinary lives rather than going out as missionaries in the world. Amen. The Apostle Paul is facing life and death. For me, he says in verse 21, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means no retirement from the gospel. Church, say amen. amen. Old people, say amen. amen. Y'all weren't so sure, were you? Is it that you're not sure about the gospel or you don't want to say you're old? <laughs> if you're over 40, say amen. amen. Like I said, old people. <laughs> I'm one of you. I mean, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep serving the Lord in the face of my circumstances in Paul's case of death? Am I going to keep serving the Lord? I'm just going to give up and look forward to meeting him. At some point, we stop singing mission songs and we just sing heaven songs. Stay the course. Amen. Stay the course. Look at your neighbor and tell them to stay the course. Stay the and stay the course until you die. Stay the course, Theresa Baptist Church. Moms and dads, stay the course of parenting. Christian soldiers, stay the course. Look at your neighbor and tell them again, stay the course. Stay the course. Look the other way, tell them, stay the course. Stay the I love Titus. I preached on this a few months ago. I doubt anybody remember. I do. <laughs> Titus 2, 11 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all 
lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Stay the course until Jesus comes back. Stay the course until you've come before your judge. Stay the course until they killed you and put you in the ground. Stay the course until you hear your name read from the Lamb's Book of Life. Stay the course. A word on parenting. On Mum's Day here. Shout out to my British friends. Mum's Day. Today, are you going to be a Christian parent or a cultural parent? Are you concerned with your kids growing up to fit into this may you of godlessness? Or are you growing them up, raising them up to meet men and women who live for and serve the glory of God? Find your path. Find your path and stay the course. Lastly, lastly, we are each called to stay and serve until God grants that we rest and reap. Paul says, I can't decide. You saw it yourself. He says, I just can't decide. Which one am I going to choose? He says in the last part of verse 22, I, I don't know. I'm hard pressed between the two. This guy with his pen while he is writing is going through an existential crisis. He's going, man, what do I do here? Do I press on in the gospel or do I give up? Keep reading. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. I'm tired. He's saying, I'm tired of all this. Anybody ever felt that way? Get honest. Anybody ever felt that way? I'm, I'm just tired. I'm wore out. My emotions can't take anymore. I feel this brother. And I haven't been locked up next to anybody. You hear me? You ever been there? I don't know if I can take any more. So he, he finishes his story. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for what, church? For somebody else. He says on your account. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, to live as Christ, to die as grain, to be here is to serve him, to go there is to see him. What do I want to do? Wait a minute. I've made this all about me. And here's the problem we face. When we make this, when we make walking with Jesus about us, perspective gets destroyed. So Paul says, I'm tired of this. And that's an honest thing, right? Amen. I, I, I know I've, I've got good things I can do. I know I've got a good God I want to go see. But wait a minute, it's better for y'all. That sounds arrogant. But when your perspective is, is restored and you realize that God's given you life to serve others for his glory, your perspective starts to get restored. So he says to him, he says, uh, it's far better, it's far better to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, that I know I will remain and continue with you all. For what reason? For your progress and joy in the faith. I'm going to help y'all grow. I'm going to help y'all exalt Christ. I'm going to show you by my example of being chained up that I'm not going to just give up and die. I'm not going to quit the ministry. I'm going to keep going on. I'm showing y'all by example. I'm serving y'all with my efforts. So that you may have ample cause in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. I love Ephesians 5, 2, also from the pen of Paul. He says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Paul always holds before us the example of Jesus because that's the example to follow. It's not the example of your preacher. 
It's not even the example of, of the best person you know in life. The example, the best example is always Jesus. Amen. One final word on parenting. Parents, you can pick up all sorts of books. And I kind of, I kind of think you should. Amen. Keep growing as a parent, right? But if you ever want the example to follow on how to love and how not to quit and what it looks like to serve and give your life to somebody, you'll never have a better example than Jesus. Take up following Jesus as you parent your children, as you support your grown children, as you come into this wonderful season of mentoring and guiding your grandchildren. Jesus is the best method of parenting, best example of parenting. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to close right there. Here's, Here's what we face. Here's what we face, church. Have we made that decision that whether I'm living or whether I'm dying, I want God to get glory for my life. Because if you say, if you say that, if you make that decision, you stop living with your feet in two worlds and you just put both feet over in Jesus. And you start to think about your life differently. What am I doing with my time, talent, and treasure? What do I do to serve others? What, what parts of my life am I living that I don't invite God into? What am I holding back? Maybe somebody here, you've been away from him for a while. The funny thing is, he might have positioned you here today, this moment, for you to realize that he's going to get glory out of your life one way or the other. Will you enjoy it or just endure it? Will you embrace it or will you run from it? One way or the other, God's going to get glory from you. I believe the supreme, most noble choice of our lives is to say, God, I'm yours all day, every day. Do with me as you will. Let me serve you in this life because I surely want to see you in the next. I believe you can deliver me out of sin and out of the clutches of Satan while I'm living. And you will deliver me out of hell and into heaven when I die. I believe you're... You're necessary for peace with God, Jesus. And I believe you're sufficient to pay for my sin. I come to you today, and I want to know you. I want to know the Father as a son. I want to know the Savior as a brother. And I want to know what it looks like to live without shame. The Bible says the only way to know that is to come to him through the shed blood of Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here today that that's what you need to do. You've never come. You've never come and says, I believe that Jesus died for me and I receive him as the Lord of my life. The Bible says if you do that, you'll be saved. Or maybe you believers have lost your focus. It's so easy to do. Maybe your spiritual life is in the ditch. I'm praying the Holy Spirit comes along and, and hauls you out today and sets you on that righteous road of focus and purpose in a fresh way. And that you see the supreme choice to give God glory is a good one. As we sing this hymn of invitation, I pray that the Lord speaks to your heart as only he can. Father, as we come to this time of decision, we want to be led by the spirit, not by our flesh. So we humbly ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, to speak to hearts and minds as only you can. Give us a good time here, God, of hearing from you. 
and give us the strength to respond. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. Maybe today you, you come and make that prayer of salvation. Maybe you know you've made that prayer and you want to make it known publicly. And maybe you want to, maybe you hear God calling you to be baptized. Maybe, maybe you've been through these things and you, you know it's time for you to make this your church family and your church home. This time of decision, God might speak to you about all sorts of things. I pray you listen and respond. Let's stand and sing wherever he leads, I'll go.
All good things come from the Father of life. All good things come from a God who is in himself fully able to be our Father and to love us with a mother's heart. The Father calls us to see the goodness of the gift of family is straight from your hand. We thank you, Lord, and to celebrate it. And give us, God, that vision to live with the supreme choice of life, and that is to live for your glory. Bless these your people as they spend time with family today. Bless them with sweet times. Bless them with seasons of refreshing. Do it in the name and